Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad. And I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. The following is a presentation of the Four Center podcast feed. Hello and welcome to Star Wars Counseling on the Force Center podcast feed, the show that believes absolutely every little part of Star Wars is great from a certain point of view. I am your host. My name is Joseph Scrimshaw. With me, as always, is just a small sip of whiskey in two 
giant Star Wars grievances. There are two grievances. You will get to decide which is the master and which is the apprentice. Today, I am confident that I am the master of my whiskey. I will sip my apprentice, and then we will begin. Mmm. Tasty apprentice. Now, if you've listened before, you know how this works. I am going to read a couple grievances from Star Wars fans, things that bother them about this epic saga that we all love, this huge galaxy that tortures us and embraces us at the same time. And I'm going to try to bring them to the light side. I'm going to wrestle with these grievances, and I'm going to try to make our listeners feel better about these grievances. Here we go. Grievance number one is... Vader choking. This comes to us from Twitter, and it is from Wes Bowker. It might be Boker, but I said Bowker because that's closer to Bowser from Super Mario. Anyway, I apologize if I got your name wrong, Wes. His Twitter handle is at Wes Bowker, and Wes says, help me reconcile Vader's physical strangling of Captain Antilles rather than his signature force choke. Of course, Wes, first, let me say, that is a great grievance. Second, let me say, I really like the phrase signature force choke, like it's a barbecue sauce. This is like Famous Dave's signature sauce and Vader's signature choke. But like many things in life, it's funny because it's true. Force choking from afar is Vader's signature move. And for some reason, in this one scene in A New Hope, he does not force choke. I mean, all chokes are forceful. But he uses his hand, of course, at the beginning of Episode 4, A New Hope. He chokes Captain Ramus Antilles and throws him up against the wall. And it's weird because we are used to the force choke. I think mostly because of Empire. Sure, he does do a force choke and a memorable one in A New Hope, but in Empire, it seems like force choking is Vader's management style. You get a promotion or you get force choked and there is next to nothing in between. So this was always an intriguing little grievance. It was a fun thing to talk about. And then, bam, Rogue One happens. And now with Vader's epic hallway force death scene, it becomes even more strange and glaring that he is not using the force, he is just using his Vader hand. So he just, in that Rogue One scene, which now we know canonically was not that long ago at all, before the uh, physical choking of Captain Ramus Antilles, we know that Vader just pinned a guy to the ceiling with the force so he could slice him with his lightsaber as he casually walks underneath him. He went force crazy in that hallway, and it was beautiful. That is so different than physically grabbing someone by the throat, choking them as you interrogate them, and then physically throwing them against a wall. So it makes it even more intriguing. With that in mind, let's get into some reasons Vader may have selected old-school choke as opposed to force choke. Maybe, maybe it's just more visceral. Maybe Vader feels it more. Even though he's got gloves over his robot hand, he still feels, he's still got some sensors, he's got some synth skin, I'm sure, or maybe not. Maybe he's got to have something in his gloves. I don't think he's using just the force to feel his way around. So maybe he's really feeling that crunching neck. Maybe he's been force choking people so much that this, grabbing someone physically with his robot hand, is a reflection of his anger. Feeling through those robot fingers 
keeps him in touch with the dark side. And he has, Vader has reason to be angry. Losing those Death Star plans is a major failure, and Vader is just trying to crush the truth out of poor Ramus Antilles with his fingers to compensate for this error. He can feel Palpatine yelling at him already. I'm sure he's got a little communicator on his chest unit. It's basically like wearing a cell phone right on your chest, and Palpatine's going to FaceTime him any second and scream at him, and Vader is just letting all of that rage pour through his fingers into Ramus's throat. That's a possibility. Another possibility is a slightly more complex one, but still Palpatine-related, because I can't stop talking about Palpatine. Maybe Vader is laying off the Force use because Palpatine told him to. Maybe between the end of Rogue One and the beginning of A New Hope, Palpatine did give him a call and said, knock it off. Because here's the thing, Palpatine himself uh, seems to allow Vader to use the Force and allows a certain amount of people to see it and be aware of it and be frightened by it. Certainly, Vader's appearance isn't subtle. He looks really evil, and he does have that uh, lightsaber thing hanging from his belt. You know, that thing that's not supposed to exist Nobody else is supposed to talk about the Force, lightsabers, Jedi, they were traitors, they died, they were probably even lying about their abilities. That's what Palpatine wants the world, the galaxy to believe. We also uh, learn in the great book Lords of the Sith that Palpatine himself really does not want anybody to see him Palpatine use his dark Force abilities. And uh, maybe he's just thinking, hey Vader, dial it back. You went super force crazy in that hallway. You slaughtered a lot of rebels. A couple of them lived to see it. Uh, there are no stormtroopers in that scene, but maybe some Imperials reviewing the Rogue One uh, footage. I doubt they call it the Rogue One footage, but reviewing the footage from the death hallway and they see Vader going force crazy and maybe there are even rumors and ripples. And you, you seen that Vader guy? He's just going crazy. It's dark side force slaughter. He pinned the guy to a ceiling. And then cut him in half, basically, while he walked under... Did you see that? Maybe it's getting passed around. Maybe it's going viral on the hollow net. Probably not. I'm having some fun with this one. Anyway, the point is, uh, there is some interesting stuff to me uh, to think about the, that contrast between how much he showed his full power as a Sith Lord in that Rogue One death hallway versus his behavior here in front of a bunch of stormtroopers and a bunch of Imperial officers. Now, there's a great little moment in the Rogue One novelization where the troopers all go one way on the ship once they get on uh, the profundity. And Vader senses, I think, the real direction is to go down this hallway. So there's even an effort in the book to kind of explain why he's not with a bunch of troopers. So I don't think it's the right answer, but it's an answer that pleases me, that gives me joy, the idea that maybe Palpatine was like, lay off, let the troopers do some work for you. So that's why we see in A New Hope, Vader is not doing anything. He's letting the troopers take care of business. He doesn't need to do it himself. So maybe that is why he decides, I'm going to lay off the force slaughter. The troopers are taking care of this. Nobody needs to see me use the force all the time. I will just choke a man one-handed, lift him off the ground, and then throw him around like a rag doll. That's pretty scary, too. My second option is also terrifying. Another possibility is just this. Variety 
is the spice of life. Even for a Sith Lord, I would have to imagine, maybe he is just switching things up. And this is of interest to me because I think uh, sometimes as canon hounds, and I include myself in that, I'm not saying that this is what where you're coming from, Wes, because I think it's a totally legitimate question, but I think sometimes we can get really hung up on these canon kind of ideas because just because we've seen a character do one thing a certain way many times doesn't necessarily mean they're always going to do it that exact same way. That's not necessarily an actual, like, canon problem. I mean, just because I eat frozen pizzas a lot, somebody could easily physically see me eating a frozen pizza and go, whoa, wow, Joseph Scrimshaw eats frozen pizzas. And then the second time they see me eating, like, wow, frozen pizza again. I guess he just eats frozen pizzas. And then they see me eating a burrito from Chipotle and go, what? Continuity error. That's not even Scrimshaw. How could it possibly be? He eats frozen pizzas. I saw him do it like six or seven times. And now he's eating a burrito. What's wrong? What's going on? Well, the answer for me is not continuity error. It's variety. It's just a variety in the horrible, unhealthy things that I choose to put into my body. I like some variety there. So I think it is possible that Vader kills people, tortures people, chokes people, lots and lots of different ways. And this just happens to be the way that we see in canon that is different from his more traditional force choking. Maybe by the time we get to Empire, he's getting kind of lazy. He's just getting really set in his ways. He's getting on. He's getting to actual middle age. And maybe he doesn't need to spice it up anymore. Maybe he's just like, you know what? This works. Force choking people from far away. It doesn't take up my time. I can continue a conversation. You know, he chokes Ozzel while he's basically giving little instructions to Piet. So I think there's a, I think there's something to be said for variety is my point. Those are my main counseling points, Wes. I think it's possible that Vader is angrier. I think it's possible that he is laying off the force, that he doesn't want to be seen using the force on the Tantive 4 for some reason, or possibly that he's just switching things up. My final, final bit of more jokey counseling is this, though. Maybe it's cardio. If he spends all his time floating in a bock to bath and throwing people around with the force, what is left of his limbs, they're going to atrophy. So he's got to flex that upper bicep, what he's got left on that arm, with a good old-fashioned choke and throw. Anyway, I hope that helps, Wes. I hope that makes you feel better by thinking through all of the various different reasons that Vader might have made a choice in that moment to do not signature choke, but old school choke. And I toast to poor Ramus Antilles, the unfortunate recipient of old school choke. Now, on to Grievance 2. Grievance 2 is the Force Ghosting of Anakin Skywalker. This comes to us from one of our patrons on Patreon, Gus Sloan, and Gus Sloan says, here we go, it's a long one, but a good one, here we go. I'm starting to lose 
sleep over this, and I need your counseling. So I just recently rewatched the season six arc of Clone Wars with Yoda training to learn to be a Force ghost after death. It is clear from these episodes and from what we know of Obi-Wan's years on Tatooine that it takes Yoda and Obi-Wan many, many years of rigorous training to learn this ability. Also, Qui-Gon says that he is the first person to ever learn this power and died before his training was complete, so his powers as a Force ghost are very limited. If all of this is true, then how in the worlds do we see Anakin Skywalker as a Force ghost on Endor at the end of Return of the Jedi? And then Gus has added, not just a question mark, but rather in Intero Bang. There is no way he learned this ability as a Jedi, and there's no way he learned it as Vader, so it makes no sense. Help me see the light again, Master Scrimshaw. Thank you, Gus, very much for this question. I will try to help you see the light. That is a great grievance, Gus. That sounds like something a superhero would shout in a comic book from the 50s. Great grievance, Gus! Anyway, it is a great grievance, one of my personal favorites to think about. And we've discussed the whole why does he appear as young Anakin and the tragic loss of Sebastian Shaw's great performance as Anakin's Force Ghost, but we have not discussed why is Anakin there in the first place. Now, I have got some theories and some different ways to kind of think about it that uh, will hopefully make you feel better, Gus. But first, I want to talk about some minty, fresh canon. The recent book, From a Certain Point of View, features a great new short story from Claudia Gray, one of our favorite authors here on Force Center, and this short story is about Obi-Wan communing with the Force Ghost of Qui-Gon. Now, if you have not read it yet, there are going to be some spoilers here. Here's my deep, alarming spoiler alert noise. Awooga, awooga. Okay, if you're still with me after those alarming awoogas, Here's some great stuff from that short story. We sort of see the story from Qui-Gon's perspective as a Force ghost. And it starts with him being greatly at peace because he is one with the Force. He is actually without identity. Then he becomes aware of Obi-Wan meditating and calling out to him. And slowly but surely, he puts himself back together. His consciousness, his voice, even his physical appearance. It is great fun to imagine, to think basically, Obi-Wan is force-calling Qui-Gon. So he's got to pull his identity back together. He's even got to slap on his beard and his ponytail hair and everything. He's got to get his lilt back in his voice. Everything is basically like a friend coming over and you're like, ah, man, I got to put on pants. Uh, I was kind of at one with my apartment, but uh, I want to help my friend out. So um, put my pants on. That's how I talk when I'm alone in my home. Anyway, enough about me. Let's get back to the force. There's a great detail where Qui-Gon even has to return to the right moment in time, the moment at which Obi-Wan is calling for him, because as we learn, Force ghosts are aware of events both past and present and future. Yes, both. All three. Past, present, and future. The way this very metaphysical story plays out, it's clear that Qui-Gon is aware of some future events, but not all of them, that they're not really necessarily locked not all of them, but some of them are. It is fixed points for you Doctor Who fans. For us Star Wars fans, I guess we would say moments of destiny. So it's very interesting. It's all very floaty. It's very floaty except for certain moments. And the big picture idea is that Qui-Gon has to come together. So we've always interpreted this uh, Force Spirit idea as 
you retain your identity in the Force. But this is a different take on that. It's the idea that you are one with the Force, so you get to be blissful. Hooray! Yay! But you can, if you desire, bring yourself back together and bring your identity in the Force to physical manifestation. So over the course of the story, Qui-Gon mentions that it took him a long time to learn how to appear like this, how to appear corporally, which he does. He's full shimmering blue force ghost. He mentions he will also teach this to Obi-Wan as well. So we learn that becoming a force ghost isn't just a skill that is developed prior to your corporeal death, but something you continue to work on after you are dead. It is the ultimate night school. Now, we could apply this idea to Obi-Wan himself, that it took him a while to fully appear to Luke as opposed to just speaking to him in quick, short sentences. And even longer it might have taken Obi-Wan to become comfortable enough as a Force ghost to actually sit on a log. There's more Force ghost fun in Obi-Wan's story in From a Certain Point of View, but it's not, uh, it's really great. It's incredible stuff, but it's not as clarifying to the whole Force ghost question as Qui-Gon's story. The only thing we learn is, hey, as much as you learn, there's still more to learn because being a Force ghost is a strange and mysterious thing. Anyway, so Gus, to get back to your question, I think you are absolutely right that Anakin did not learn this ability as a Jedi, and he certainly didn't learn it as a Sith when he was Vader, But we've also heard that it is only possible for Jedi to become Force ghosts because the desire to retain or be able to reform your identity within the Force must come from a place that is truly selfless. Now, I think this becomes incredibly important with the question of Anakin and how he could possibly appear as a Force ghost. If you accept the general theory that in the moment that Vader sacrifices himself by killing the Emperor... He became Anakin again, and that sacrifice was an entirely selfless one, as opposed to his selfish desire to spare himself from pain by saving Padme in his youth, the thing that motivated him to fall to the dark side in the first place. If you accept all that, if you accept that Anakin has taken his first step toward becoming a Force ghost, so then Anakin dies, saved by his son redeemed by his selfless act of love. Again, throwing an old evil man down a shaft is not your standard way of expressing love, but this is Star Wars. There's duality everywhere. It's love. Anyway, he is, at this point, one with the Force. He has become Anakin again. He has acted selflessly. He is one with the Force. So now the central question is, how does he manifest his identity enough to appear before Luke on that moon of Endor. At this point, I think you can just have fun with the headcanon that makes sense to you, because I see several different options, and I'm sure listeners can think of even more. First, is this an ability of the Chosen One? Is this one of the ways in which Anakin is extremely powerful in the Force? Anakin Skywalker returns to the light side, and just like he did many times in life, he masters an ability more quickly than anyone thought he could. And perhaps he just becomes one with the Force, and he's like, oh, I get this. I'm incredibly strong with the Force, and I'm the chosen one. I got this. That's a possibility. Another option is perhaps it is Luke's strength. Perhaps Luke, being strong in the Force, 
and strong in his desire to see his father. Maybe it is calling out. Luke is very good at uh, at calling out. He makes that connection with Leia uh, on when he's hanging from the weather vane and on Bespin uh, on Cloud City under Cloud City. Uh, and maybe it's just like that where he is so longing to see his true father, to know that his father made it to the other side of life itself and is at peace. Perhaps it is Luke calling to Anakin that allows him to form his reform his identity and appear with Luke's other mentors and loved ones. But my favorite headcanon is Anakin dies. He becomes one with the Force. And suddenly, he feels the presence of his old masters. Obi-Wan, Yoda, even Qui-Gon. Perhaps they greet him with love. Perhaps they greet him with, thanks for killing the Emperor. We'll talk about the rest of the crap you did later, Anakin. But more than anything, they greet him with, Anakin, Anakin, come with us. Your son needs to see that you are at peace. And basically, this is not an achievement of Anakin. This is an achievement of Yoda, of Obi-Wan, of Qui-Gon. This is an achievement of forgiveness, and that they, through their power, aid Anakin in bringing his identity together. They use their power and wisdom in the mysterious metaphysical ways of both the living force and the cosmic force to bring Anakin together and make him whole. They don't teach him so much as guide him. And in this process, as they are all about to appear before Luke, Qui-Gon decides, eh, I'm a hold back, because it might be confusing for Luke to see him. Qui-Gon never actually met Luke in the flesh. Plus, maybe Qui-Gon just doesn't feel like bringing his whole Jedi identity together again right now. He is busy enjoying being one with the Force. And so, Luke sees Yoda and Obi-Wan shimmering in the night breeze of Endor. And to his surprise, joining them, his father, Anakin Skywalker, the man they said he could not save, is there, glowing, happy, and smiling. In my opinion, it's a little bit of a creepy smile when it's the Hayden Christensen version, but that's just my opinion. I'm trying to bring you to the light side. Let's ignore I just said that. They all appear before Luke, happy, smiling. Luke knows his loved ones, his mentors, are at peace. They are together. They forgive. And then they fade away, joyously becoming one with the Force, until, perhaps, someday, Luke will call for them again. That is what I choose to believe, at least until the return of the Jedi version of From a Certain Point of View comes out, and there's a short story about Anakin that changes all of that. Anyway... I hope that helped, Gus. That is my counseling for this episode. Vader choked Ramus for variety and possibly cardio, and Anakin appeared as a Force ghost on Endor because it is still possible for him to learn this power after death. And I believe a lot of Anakin learning this power will be feeling really, really guilty and atoning for all of those people he choked in different ways. Thank you both for those great 
questions. As always, I want some more. Send me your grievances. They can be logic flaws, but I also really like them when they're personal, when there's something that eats at you, something that just you need your body dipped in an emotional bacta tank to cure, and I will try to be your bacta tank. Please do all of that with the hashtag SWCounseling. It's so much easier for me to find uh, your tweets, your Facebook posts, if you use that hashtag, because then I can just search for it. Uh, I'll be posting again on our Patreon to ask for uh, more Star Wars counseling suggestions. There's still a lot more great ones that came in that I'll be working through. And as you know, these episodes come out every other Friday. I'm going to try to have some for guests. I'm going to try to keep doing some more live ones. There will be much more to come. You can find me personally on all the social media is at Joseph Scrimshaw. You can check out my other podcast, Obsessed, and all of that, uh, including info on live shows, is on my website at josephscrimshaw.com. You can, and dare I say should, like Force Center on Facebook and follow us on Twitter as at Force Center Pod. You can also support our Patreon by visiting patreon.com slash Force Center. And of course, you can buy our merch at tpublic.com slash user slash Force Center. Also, iTunes. We have had a great week on iTunes. As I record this, we have not, for this last week, left the top 200 of TV and film podcasts on iTunes. You can really, really help us keep that going by giving us some ratings and reviews on iTunes. The strange, mysterious algorithms of iTunes are almost as mysterious as being one with the Force, but we can retain our identity as Force Center and climb those charts if we keep getting more listens and more ratings and reviews and subscribe. So please help us out there if you can. If you are not somebody who cannot stand iTunes, please go help us out. Anyway, until next time, as Han Solo once said in a moment of brutal honesty, I don't know how we're going to get out of this one. That's it for Star Wars Counseling. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. 
Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.